0: Welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. In this episode, Jason Nadecki works through the text to What Can We Poor Females Do with Us? talking about long vowels, the Daniel Sitteth rule, and the difference between the upside-down V vowel and the schwa. For more information about Jason Nadecki, or for the accompanying PDF of this text, please visit DictionPolice.com. Don't forget that all of our Diction Tips and Diction Lessons are also available at the website, and that you can follow the Diction Police on Facebook or Twitter at DictionPolice. Henry Purcell came from a musical family. His uncle was a musician, his father was a member of the Chapel Royal, as was Purcell himself, and even his younger brother Daniel was a prolific composer. The text to What Can We Poor Females Do was written by an anonymous poet. And here I find the quote from Virginia Woolf to be apt. For most of history, anonymous was a woman.
1: What can we poor females do When pressing, teasing lovers sue? What can we poor females do? Fate affords no other way But denying or complying, and relenting or consenting, does alike our hopes betray.
0: I guess the first word to talk about is the word P-O-O-R. The way I think of English, I want to say poor, with a real closed U sound.
1: Yeah, and the rule, I guess you could say, for the British English is that those diphthongs created by the reducing of R at the end of a word into schwa have an open nucleus. So the main part of the diphthong, the nucleus, if you like, is open.
0: So the stress so is full, basically.
1: Yeah, the longer part. Mm-hmm. So you get poor, which is a bit of a different sound in that oo than two words later with do.
0: Which is a real closed U sound. Which
1: is really closed oo. Yeah. So poor and do, ooh, ooh.
0: Right, and we also, the r of poor is yeah. not an ur er sound at all, it's really, it's not the rhotic
1: r. There's no r colouring in that schwa, it just relaxes from the oo sound into a uh, poor.
0: So since you mentioned the word do, it doesn't rhyme with the, the, sem, the same, with the end of the next line, right?
1: It has an extra phoneme at the end of the next line between the S, the S, and the U, uh, where the J-glide is introduced, but only a little bit. So you get SU. If you have CU and you make a meal out of it, it's too much. <laughs> Just a tiny, tiny little hint of it, and it will be enough. But that's right. It's different from DU. If you were to do that with DU, you'd either be saying the word spelled d-u-e or d-e-w. Exactly. Those also exist, that pronunciation exists, but not for the spelling d-o.
0: The basic rule of that, of that j-glide for sue is those Daniel Sitteth words, right?
1: Daniel Sith where d-n-l-s-t and t-h cause a yip after it before O, And there are other consonants where that happens. Don't be led astray. Music has to be music, and M isn't in Daniel Sitteth. Few right. has to be few and, uh, and not foo, <laughs> and F isn't <laughs> in Daniel Sitteth. The Daniel Sitteth was devised, I guess, as a little way to help us remember the ones that are often dropped in our modern speech, right. but you have to remember as you're singing in a lyric setting.
0: Exactly. With the word do, though, the since the letter after in the actual spelling is an O, it won't be affected it's not that's not part of the daniel sitteth words those are only if it's a u and an e right
1: that's Which... right if it's spelled with an o it does not do that exactly yeah o on its own will not cause the daniel sitteth to fly into action it's not exactly. deployed <laughs>
0: exactly
1: yeah or even look uh, another line down of course it's no and not new
0: exactly <laughs> I
1: mean, there it's an closed O diphthong anyway, but if you saw that and compared it, you might start to go astray if if you weren't a native speaker maybe. Right. Although no is a word most of us would know, even if you have very rudimentary English skills.
0: Exactly. But that's, it's just another example, I guess, of the fact that there's, there are no specific spelling rules in English to say every time it's spelled like this it's going to sound like that.
1: That's right. Yeah, there are so many exceptions in English and it it comes down to where how our language evolved from so many different roots but also so many different influences coming in to to the UK over the centuries and bringing their own additions to the scribes and things where this was set and by the time it was pinned down it became more and more complicated and now we've just got a a real mishmash where you can kind of find a few trends but they can't even be called rules because so many of the trends aren't trendy
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're not ending. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One of the other things that comes up often in this in this piece is that pre-stressed R E D E B E prefixes.
1: Right. So we say traditionally traditionally that those should be like a little open i.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we get denying, relenting, betray. Some people try to fight this a little bit. <laughs> I think if you substitute anything else that is even remotely possible and give it a real good listen, yeah. you'll see that it, it works less than these uh, capital I prefixes. So denying, no, denying, schwa or e, neither of those is really right. I think the point is that they're unstressed exactly so if you make them this little capital i and get on with it to the main part of the word it will sound right in singing regardless of what you might be tempted to do because of the spelling or if you elongate it or from your own accent um this is sort of the way the right way if you like denying relenting betray
0: just to compare that that this happens because it's an unstressed syllable as you said that's right but this also, in in the word females, then it is the stressed syllable, and then it's actually the closed lowercase i.
1: Yes, closed vowel, because it's not females. Right. Females. It's not a prefix, f-e, so it doesn't uh, follow the same rules there. It's stressed, and so it's the long, closed e.
0: Right. The other thing that comes up, actually, in saying denying, we also see in complying, where we have two... It looks like, in the transcript, two capital I's back-to-back.
1: Yes, it's an odd look, but uh, if you think of the first one belonging to the diphthong, so that I in comply finishes that root of the word, and then the ing suffix gets its own little capital I to begin. So, complying.
0: (laughs) So there's almost then, even a J-glide feel there in There is
1: almost a little spring in there with the tongue to separate them. I mean, you don't have to make comply ying with a y, but yeah, a re-articulation or a, a new suggestion of uh, beginning again with the ing is okay.
0: Honestly, I have to say, I was thinking that there wouldn't be any any J-glide at all, but there kind of is, isn't there? I wouldn't say complying
1: we don't smooth it to the point where you can't hear the word barrier or the end of the root. Complying. Yeah. It should be smooth. You should bridge it smoothly. Um, and don't emphasize any kind of glide that may come out of that. Right. Like I was showing before, complying. Yeah, that's too much.
0: It would be too hard. It would actually stress then the unstressed ing ending.
1: Right. And it makes it sound like there's some kind of extra letter there that, where there isn't, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah.
0: And we really, we, we also, just like in German, we don't want to make any kind of G or K sound at the end of this complying. We just want to end with an N sound, right? With the, right. End, the end with the hook on the right.
1: That's right. No plosive uh, with those I-N-G. It's just ing and not ink. Exactly. (laughs) With females, we were talking about females. Yes. I see in the next line we have a word that has the same sound, lowercase i, long closed e, but spelled ea. So females rhymes or has the same sound as teasing. Yes. So there's another uh, interesting thing with English, how uh, different spellings can yield the same pronunciation, the same phoneme here with female spelled just with an E and then teasing with EA.
0: Yes, exactly. But
1: not every E spells E and not every EA spells E.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and in the same way we have females, but, and that's a stressed syllable, but consenting, relenting there, the E spells an open E as well.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah.
0: When when we say the word teasing too, it's almost a like a a longer vowel. Not that I wanna say we have a lot of longer and shorter vowels in English because really, unlike most of the other languages, we don't use we don't generally use the lengthening colon in the IPA transcripts because we don't really lengthen or shorten a syllable. But some of the vowels are slightly longer than some of the other ones, right?
1: There is actually a system for the British English that's much more regular than in the standard American accent, whereby certain vowels are long. And if you look at um, some sources, you can see online many different kind of web pages that, that break down English, for, especially for ESL. Mm-hmm. Um, they often stick the colon with the letter as though it's part of that symbol altogether. And that happens with E is long the Ooh, closed
0: case i mean the closed low i yep.
1: like females and teasing mm-hmm. o is long always open o is long so going through here we females do those are long teasing sue we females do that's repeated
0: mm-hmm.
1: affords
0: the or between the Between the design.
1: Yeah. Now, there in a short word or a word that sort of goes on, that's a connecting word, if you like, that lengthening may be minimized a little bit, but the idea is that it is all long, yep, and that's it. The rest are short. Exactly. So if we look in the the personal setting, it gives some credence to that or, or a little nod to that those long vowels, because they're always set where you'd expect them, either as longer notes or on strong beats.
0: Right. On the actual beats as opposed to the eighth notes,
1: too. Yeah, not between the beats. Right. And we poor females do. So it, it lines up.
0: Right. Well, and actually in the next line, if we're thinking about these short, short vowels, to go, to to compare this again with another language, we don't also, we don't want to lengthen just because something is short. So we're not going to try and say, when pressing, we're going to just say one S, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you wanted to make a meal of that and kind of emphasize that what what happens to these females, you could maybe lean a little bit more on the S or, or on the pressing, teasing, which might make a nice contrast with the long vowel of teasing. Mm -hmm. But, again, as a rule in English, somewhat like French, we don't have consonant gemination, (laughs) whereby twinned consonants, doubled consonants, have length. Right. So there are two S's there in pressing for the spelling so that it's open air, not because we want a lengthened s. so pressing, if you choose to dwell a bit on the S, it would be for expressive reasons, not for pronunciation reasons. And it's definitely not mandatory. Exactly. You might serve it better to use more pr- pressing, teasing. Exactly. That might well, actually work better.
0: It, and actually, you bring me to another point that I wanted to talk about, which is some of these R's. Because yes. as you just did, you rolled, you flipped the R after the P, so Pressing.
1: In this historic stuff or older music, it's increasingly more so that the further back we go that we would use this R, the apical R at the front, either as one flip or if you really want to emphasize something as a little roll. So remember too that in this accent, whether you choose for a modern R, consonant R, R, the bird R, the upside down R in IPA, or this apical R that's flipped or rolled, it only happens before vowel sounds. Mm-hmm. So going through from the beginning, poor, no r as a consonant. There it just reduces to schwa in that little diphthong. Poor. Then in the next line, you definitely have to do something with the R in pressing. Yeah. Either flipped or rolled, or I suppose if you wanted to, you could use a modern R when pressing. But most people I think would opt to flip or roll because it's older music. Exactly then in the fourth line where the text is new a full we also have lovers oh yes i missed lovers right just a schwa not a rhotic schwa not lovers <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly
1: but um, just uh, uh, the schwa on its own with no kind of r after that
0: and that's not even that's not even just uh, doing it the old fashioned way is it that's actually a rule that we should follow through with in american standard english as well right that's
1: right the only newfangled versus old-fashioned thing with this R is how you articulate it once you know it's a consonant R. Yeah. So when you know it's going to be pronounced then you can decide whether you're using R or R or R for emphasis. But if it's before a consonant sound or at the end of a line like we have in lovers before a consonant sound we don't say it at all. There's no there's no discussion on what kind of R to make it's just out of the picture altogether. Exactly. Fourth line, affords, just drop that R completely, other, dropped completely, Mm -hmm. or complying no R sound as a consonant.
0: Right, because in that case, the the OR actually comes before another consonant,
1: so even
0: though it's not part of the same word, we still want to follow that rule.
1: Now, if OR is followed by a vowel, you would get what's called a linking R, where it appears. Before a consonant sound, though, that O just stands on its own with no R sound. Relenting, that's pronounced as a consonant because it's before it. Well, and about. it's also the, because it starts the word. Because here, normally
0: after a T or d, D, we're not going to want to flip a consonant. We're not going to want to flip an R.
1: But because right. it's part
0: of the same word, we have free license, right?
1: Yes, it's not a D-R cluster at the beginning of a word. And relenting. Not Drillenting. Exactly. <laughs> like D-R-I-L-L, drill. Right. That's it. And I guess the last, oh, we have two more R's in the last line. our That becomes a triphthong created by the reduction of the R to a schwa where we have the diphthong. Awa started with the bright A, then open U, flying U, and uh, the schwa for the R, so Awa.
0: You call that the flying you and I call it the cookie you.
1: The cookie you because it's the sound in the cookie bell. I call it the flying you because it has little wings on the side.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but I remember when I first heard that word, the term cookie you, I literally thought a bit of smiley face cookies.
1: Oh, I see. Right. always
0: had the little dimples on the smiley face cookies.
1: Right. I thought it was because uh, it's the sound in cookie. Oh, it oh. is. Actually,
0: <laughs> I, actually, it is because of the word cookie and the, the actual vowel sound, but I just but literally it thought it
1: was because of the Let's, smile. So. Yeah, visual at the same time. Exactly. And the last one is betray with these R's, where there it follows the T, so it's it's best to do a little modern R if you like, not tre because that sounds too... Difficult and effective. We've talked about those TR and DR combinations before, where they tend, even in this earlier music, to be pronounced with a more modern type of R, the bird R. As long as it isn't really far back or trapped, betray is better than betray. And definitely not betray with the affricate, which is fine for speech for sure. We hear that all the time, but not for singing.
0: Right. Well, and, and just when you say betray like that, it literally sounds immediately to me like Italian.
1: Yes, it sounds foreign in a way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which in the case like and relenting, we don't mind it because they are two separate words. So if there is a slight shadow vowel, we're totally okay with that.
1: Yeah, and relenting. Exactly, yeah. I see here we have a few examples of our special English vowel, ah, like in lovers and other,
0: we do that upside down V,
1: which is a not a hard thing to pronounce, but I think for non-English speakers, a hard vowel to find where it sits in the mouth. Exactly. If you look on that vowel chart, this little upside down V, as you call it, sits just underneath the open O, <laughs> so it's across from open O but without lips. Right. When I say across from open O, on that chart, on the right of the dots, we have lip rounding. Okay. Left of the dots on that chart, the lips go away. So you see where it sits? It sits at O. If you take O and remove the lips, O, A. Oh, you're interesting. In the position of the tongue for A, which is not the same as A, the bright typescript A. Right. Which because lips, the lips I are actually think.
0: slightly even more broad.
1: Yes, so you get the difference between love and lav, which you hear non-native English speakers saying. The tongue is a little bit more forward for lav, a little bit brighter sounding.
0: Yeah.
1: This is uh, a, which again on that chart is in the position of open O, but without lips. Okay. And um, it is true that it's awfully close to the schwa sound.
0: Yeah, which you see in a word like lovers.
1: You see them back to back. But I tell students who are confused, isn't that just a schwa they ask sometimes? Try substituting those syllables. In which case you get levas, Right. And that's obviously wrong.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> or the the city of London, where we have ah, this a vowel. In the first syllable, the stressed syllable, and then a schwa. Not lundan.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, the, the schwa is just a hair more, has a hair more depth, actually. It's a little bit more back
1: than the... And it's weak, 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 weak. Yeah. It has no kind of emphasis. It's not fully formed in a way. Yeah. It's more nebulous, more more neutral by its definition. So um, it, they're awfully close, but, ah uh, is not uh and is not uh. a.
0: <laughs> yeah. At the very beginning of the text, we find the upside down W glide in the words what and when. This consonant is the unvoiced pair to the W glide, which is built on a lowercase U. oo. When it's unvoiced, that doesn't mean that we need a big puff of air, so we aren't really saying what. It simply means that we form the shape of the U, and then let the air escape without voicing it. What. When. As opposed to what and when. There was one point in the rules about R that I felt we weren't perfectly clear on, although we did mention it. When an R is followed by another consonant, it will not be pronounced at all. This is what we meant when we were saying that the R's in affords and or are gone. There are a few places where R will be replaced by schwa as we saw at the beginning with poor and the triphthong our. And one final thing since this is Purcell, we're going with British received pronunciation which has several vowel shifts from American Standard as in the first word of the song, not what, but what. Many people assume, then, that there is no A vowel in British RP, but there is. So don't let the second word of the piece become can. Make sure that it's a really nice, relaxed cat vowel. What can.
1: What can we poor females do When pressing, teasing lovers sue? What can we poor females do Fate affords no other way But denying or complying And relenting or consenting Does alike our hopes betray.
0: This interview with Jason Nadecki was conducted by Ellen Rissinger. Phonetic transcript by Ellen Rissinger and Jason Nadecki. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction, GBR.